This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors and the 4,000 plus members that we have and another 1,000 plus affiliate members that we have. And our goal is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. And today, or no, in today's market, it's almost a repeat of like what we, when this show got started 14 years ago, it was 14 years ago, it was really, really important for our community to know what's happening locally because we kept seeing news reports out of different states or the East Coast, and some of them weren't pretty. Um, and some of them were, well, I'll say embellished. Uh, maybe, you know, made for that, that click clickbait. This way you click on the thing uh, about the, the market crashing. So you click on it to read, is it really? But here we are in the Central Valley and we're getting information from people who actually work with buyers and sellers uh, and in Fresno County, in the Central Valley. So actually beyond Fresno County too. Um, and to help with that today, we have a couple of guests, Javier Cavazos of uh, Fusion Real Estate. Good morning. Good morning, sir. All right, you've been doing this for 20 years which means I've known you for 20 years. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the great highlights of my career was actually getting to know you and getting involved with our leadership team here uh, in the Fresno Marketplace. So, And yeah. I want our listeners to know, he said that with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> I think you meant that. <laughs> yeah, the, the joke is uh, I got a phone call uh, one night, and it was Don, who is our incoming president for the Fresno Association of Realtors, and asked me to be a part of our uh, MLS committee, our multiple listing service. And we were just kind of joking along. He goes, you know what? He goes, I actually meant to call Javier Carrasco, ah. not Cavazos. So he goes, but I guess you'll do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you learn my humor immediately. Right away. All right. And then our other guest is Lisa Swenning. Cavazos. Uh, <laughs> Married to Javier, and you're in the industry. You you provide a product called a natural hazard disclosure, mm -hmm. and you work for Snap NHD. That's correct, yes. How long have you done that? I've been with Snap for four years now, in the industry for five, but uh, with Snap NHD for four years. All right. So the pleasure you get is you get to meet all these characters like Javier, myself. And absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a pleasure every day. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I see that Javier came well prepared. That's why that's why in 2007 I asked you to be on the committee because you seem like a well prepared guy. Um, or at least Javier Carrasco was. <laughs> <laughs> so you came here well prepared today. You've got some stats. Would you share them with our audience, please? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, of course, you know, within the show, 
stats are the lifeblood of what the realtors rely on. You know, all the information that we have to prepare ourselves uh, for when we sit down with clients and everything, or if we're working with our buyers. So currently, as of right now in our MLS, we have 1,884 total properties that are active for sale. That's single family residentials. So homes, condos, PUDs, mobile homes, townhomes. Uh, just in the Fresno Clovis area, we have 925 active homes. Uh, currently, properties that are in escrow for the entire MLS is 1,420. 813 of those are in Fresno and Clovis. So we have more active listings than we have pending. Correct. So that is that is the increase in the inventory that we've been realizing over the last several months after, I want to call it a little bit of the pumping of the brakes in our market. So um, our inventory is definitely catching itself up. So just this month alone, uh, in our total MLS, we had 763 new listings. 454 of those were just in the Fresno Clovis market. Once again, in escrow was 878 total properties, 527 in the Fresno Clovis market. And then the number of solds so far in our MLS from the beginning of this month, 711 have closed, 415 of those have been in the Fresno and Clovis market. So I like what you say about pumping of the brakes because I've been making the analogy that our market is slowing down from 80 miles an hour down to 70. <laughs> yeah. What's your comment on that? Uh, definitely. Um, we've seen with the, with the rise in the inventory um, and I guess a little bit of the nervousness of the market, the buyers that are out there, uh, they're not as active because our interest rates have obviously been increasing. Um, we're seeing that inventory climb. So it starts to slow down the, uh, the amount of properties that are going into escrow. So that's what we, we're seeing that pumping of the brakes. You know, I see it as more of a return to more of a normal market. Mm -hmm. so. so we have more active listings on the market today than let's say one year ago. Um, was what, I wanna talk about normal. <laughs> which I, I have to admit we haven't seen in many many years it's either been really great really bad uh not normal but uh, it would be nice to be normal for a while you know yeah i think we almost had a bit of a sneak peek of a normal market after after obviously the big crash that everybody you know we experienced in 08 through 010 you know we did see the inventory start to catch itself up days on market was definitely a little bit longer and stuff. So it was more of a return to a normal market. Um, so we kind of bumped along there for a while. And then of course, COVID hit and sent our market spinning and into the current market that we had just gotten through and right now coming out of. And when COVID, a lot of people say that COVID is why we had this boom market. Um, I think, you know, some of that's true, but it's hard to compare statistics year to year because 2020 was certainly not normal. You had almost, you know, we really hit the brakes hard mm -hmm. during the spring of 2020. Right. Shelter in place. 2021, yeah, shelter in place. In 2021, we, we were rebounding from that. So, yeah, maybe 2022 is a, a little more normal. Yeah, we had all that pent-up demand. <laughs> 
in 2020. You know, it was harder to show properties, obviously. Uh, sellers were scared about people going through their property. So there was, there was a, lot of, a lot of issues that were going along that definitely slammed the brakes for us. So, Yeah, right. So I have a question for you. We have a rise in inventory, and I know it's not just one answer as to why, but why the rise in, in active listings? Uh, I believe that was the people, the fence sitters, right? As we refer to them in the real estate market, the fence sitters were seeing interest rates start to rise. So I think a lot of them jumped off. Um, and then it really started to started to uh, really, really rise and get, get to where we're at a level today. Um, but I think that's curbing a little bit of the buyer activity again. But um, yeah, the... That rise in activity, I believe, was a lot of just due to the fact that the interest rates were rising. Prices were escalating, you know, very quickly. So it's like they wanted to get in and, you know, get the properties. So the economists always talk supply and demand. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'm hearing you say is that it's the reason that there's more listings is because demand is falling not necessarily any reason on the supply side or is there a reason on the supply side? Well, I think buyers have a little bit more of a choice now, right? So before when this market was really super hot and prices were crazy and people were overpaying and removing all their contingencies or, you know, no appraisals, multiple offers were flying, you know, you could get 10, 15, 20 offers on a property. So that has changed. So we're no longer seeing that. So buyers have a little bit more of a choice. You know, they're, they're making a, I guess a better choice, right? They're not being rushed into make such a big decision. So we're starting to see that's, that's the normal market, right? When there is no huge press, you know, on, on the buyer or the seller. So what I'm seeing, um, Let's talk prices now, not so much number of listings, number of sales, but are prices holding? Because I I hear buyers say sometimes, oh, I'm going to hold off until the market crashes and prices come down. Right. Yeah. What do you see on prices? Well, I actually have that stat. Uh, For the past 30 days. I told you you came here well prepared. (laughs) Yeah. So for the past past 30 days, we've seen 848 price reductions on on properties in our market. So that definitely lets us know that the sellers are becoming a little bit more aware, uh, you know, as their properties stay on the market a little bit longer. You know, they're having great discussions with their realtors about, you know, we need to get realistic about our pricing, you know, so. Yeah. And really what a price adjustment is, it's a move to, to initiate action Mm -hmm. from, from the buying public. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're not too high. You're not going to get that. Yeah. That reaction. Yeah. And and we're probably seeing about an average of two to two and a half percent off of their original list price that they're coming down to as their new market price. Would you say this, or how would you comment to this reaction? Is that many of those price adjustments are adjustments back down to where they should have been anyway, rather than 
thinking the market is cruising along at 100 miles an hour, so I'll just price it way up there and let the bidding begin. Yeah, yeah. There's the seller should no longer have that type of mindset. Um, you know, obviously they need to move. Uh, they need to get on with their next step. So you know, pricing it, pricing it according to what your realtor is telling you and advising you is the best course of action. So I like that what you just said. Sellers should no longer have that mindset because, yeah, we got spoiled for a while. Yeah, back in January of 22, we had about 0.7 months worth of inventory. So not even a month's worth of inventory. We're currently at 2.3. So that's our inventory, you know, catching itself up. Mm -hmm. You know, our days on market is still fluctuating. It's probably still around 14 or 15 days on the average, you know. But I think a lot of that also happens within that first week or two when these sellers are seeing that the activity, even just on people coming to see their homes, I mean, right off the get-go, people were running out to see properties, right? You would have 14, 15 showings on the first day you were on the market. Now you might only have one or two, you know? So the sellers are seeing that and they're reacting to it and say, okay, let's adjust our price, you know, and then they're spurring that activity to come back. Mm -hmm. Great. We are going to go to our first commercial break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about NHDs, natural hazard disclosures, and find out what those are, why we need them. And then later in the show, we're going to talk again with Javier about some of the market myths and what isn't really true that you hear a lot of. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. Here in the studio, we have Lisa Swenning of uh, Snap NHD and also mm -hmm. Javier Cavazos of um, Fusion Real Estate. We are now going to talk about a thing called NHDs because if you say the whole thing, Natural <laughs> Hazards Disclosure Report, that's too many syllables. Uh-huh. For a realtor. <laughs> we love our acronyms. Yes, we do. <laughs> I had to tell one guest one time that um, you better quit talking in acronyms because I don't think anybody's going to understand you. It's, realtor ease is a whole different language. Mm -hmm. So what is an NHD? Mm -hmm. So an NHD, Natural Hazard Disclosure Report, it's a report that's required in all real estate transactions. So it's something that back in the day used to kind of be like a handshake deal, you know, some information would be given by the seller to the agent. But in what, I think what, 1996 maybe, mm -hmm. um, there was a civil code that came that was Civil Code 1103. They decided that the natural hazard disclosure needed to be required for all real estate transactions so that they could disclose things about the property, specifically about that APN, which would be about flood zones, fire zones, potential flood zones, um, an earthquake, um, landslides, those type of things. 
Also in the NHD is information on taxes and Melarus, anything that might be, you know, a lien that might be on the property. Those type of things are in the NHD um, just to provide more information about that property. For our listeners, what what is Melarus? Melarus. So Melarus I say for our listeners, but I, I think I might learn a thing. <laughs> and I know Javier will. Well, yeah. and that's the thing I feel that uh, most of the general public, they don't actually really know what the, the NHD is when they sign it um, because a lot of the times there isn't really anything to be disclosed. Um, but sometimes there is. For instance, Melarus, that is a tax that would actually be added onto their property tax. So if they're, if, if they're looking at a home at a certain price and a certain monthly payment, and they find out that the, the home that they are falling in love with has a Melarus and that amount is $200 a month, that is added to their property tax. So the Melarus is a neighborhood that um, they collect that money to take care of that neighborhood and, and the things surrounding it. So if they have a park or if they have a really pretty big sign um, with landscaping around it, you know, it takes care of those things. If they have uh, lamp posts and in the sidewalks in the neighborhood, anything like that, it's going to go towards taking care of those things within that little neighborhood. Actually, it was a, I guess we'll call it a creative way for the, uh, the builders of those subdivisions to pass on those costs, right? So the builder wouldn't have to pay to put in all the curbs and gutters, the street lamps and everything and stuff like that. It would get, eventually get passed over to every new homeowner that was in that subdivision. So, mm -hmm. okay. And it's something that has, it's goes for a certain amount of time. So it's, you know, it could be 20 years, it could be 30 years, um, but all of that information would be in the NHD um, for the buyer. Okay. And when you said sometimes on an NHD report, there's nothing on there, that should bring the biggest smile. I mean, mm -hmm. it, that makes it worth the money to, that it costs to know that it's not there. It's like when you get a preliminary title report from the title company and it comes out clean or you get a home inspection and there's it comes out clean. That's a good thing because mm -hmm. now you know you're free and clear of any issues absolutely absolutely oh issues mm -hmm. so what kind of issues <laughs> do, do you report on so you know the biggest thing right now is the fire and flood um, that's why we always suggest ordering the NHD at the time of listing uh, because when you get that NHD right up front then you are aware of anything that may be going on with that property um, flood and fire, as we know, if the property is in one of those zones, could actually potentially cost more money for insurance for those two things. So we want you guys to have all the information up front so that your clients understand and know right away that, again, the home that they might be falling in love with could be in a fire zone. And if so, are they okay with possibly having to pay fire insurance? Or if it's in a flood zone, are they okay with actually possibly being having to pay flood insurance? So Javier, I'm sure you're like this too as a realtor. The one th 
when you sell a home in the Central Valley on the flatland, <laughs> generally everything's checked no except for one thing, and that's the potential, the potential flooding flood of a dam inundation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, I believe, that is if a Millerton dam ever bust, mm-hmm. it would basically flood the, the plain in most of the Fresno and Clovis area. That's why you'll always see that checked. Mm-hmm. So people automatically get the big eyes. It's like, wait, what, what does this mean? I said, no. It's like almost every other home within the entire metro area of Fresno and Clovis all has that same check mark. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that in Oroville a few years ago, that came up uh, when that dam started to fail. Although it was really the only homes that got affected were right in the riverbed. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And I, here's a funny story. Um, I was telling my sister when this new law came about in the 90s that, oh, what a waste of money. You know, it's, it's um, you know, we live here in Fresno and we never have natural disasters. <laughs> well, you always have to know your audience. My sister works for FEMA as in, <laughs> me- in emergency preparedness. For about an hour, I got an earful uh-huh. <laughs> on all the things that could go wrong, could happen. Absolutely. And it's like, okay, okay, it's worth the money. It, it <laughs> definitely is. I could probably match her time period on explaining why it's important. <laughs> but I also want to, and you don't know this is coming, Lisa. But <laughs> oh, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one for capitalism. The NHDs come out. And at first, uh, there was only a small group of people that could do these reports, and they were generally around $300, $400 a report. Well, the free market got involved. More people entered the market. Technology helped them to provide a quicker, better, more efficient service. And now most of those reports are under $100, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So... Um, there's one for our free market. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of kind of touching base, though, too, about the importance of your saying by ordering at the time of listing. So several years back before we changed our contracts, uh, it used to be required that we had that uh, termite. You know, uh, they would provide a purchase contract, and it would say automatically in there, seller to pay section one or section two. And if we hadn't gotten our clients to order their termite inspections, they could have been hit with $10,000, $20,000 worth of termite work that they were agreeing to. So case in point, you know, ordering at the time of listing, you don't want to find out maybe when you open escrow, which could be 15, 20, 30 days after being on the market, you're in a flood zone and your client is going to have to pay an additional $300 a month in insurance. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, keying in on the importance of why. And I've had those cases, you know, agents call. You just had one recently. Yes, where it was, and it was a flood zone issue. Mm-hmm. And we were able to, you know, thankfully get it, you know, rectified for them. Um, and the escrow was able to continue. Um, but that's that's that was a happy ending you know sometimes there might not be that happy ending we Mm -hmm. found out that you know it had we have a flood certificate in our report we found out that the structure was taken out of the flood zone there was a lomoc letter on file so 
which is a good thing for them. But if that hadn't been there, they possibly could have lost, you know, the buyer could have backed out at the, during escrow. So if, if you are in a flood zone, there is something you can do about it. Yes. You can get it removed with a, yes. I think it's called a certificate of elevation. Yes. Yes. Whereas um, either, either in the beginning when you're building the home and you know that you're in a flood zone, you come out and you have, of course, the st where your structure is going to be elevated. So, you know, it, it gets taken up out of the flood zone. Somebody does need to come and do that inspection to make sure and that gets sent to FEMA for them to okay it. Um, so then the property itself would still be in the flood zone, but the structure would not, which means then they would not have to pay flood insurance. I had it, that happen. This is before natural hazard disclosures and so is back in the 70s I bought a home mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I get hit with a really high flood insurance bill that was required and I heard that well you're not in a flood zone if you're 12 inches above the highest point in the street well I wasn't I, I, or I was it was probably two or three feet higher than the street level it, it was elevated but the backyard wasn't Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had a guy come out to survey it, to give me that certificate of elevation. Mm -hmm. And he said, it won't pass unless you re-landscape the backyard and put a little creek bed in there. Mm -hmm. it, it, anyway, it ended up being a positive thing. So we took, took got a backhoe, removed some of the soil, made a, a swale mm -hmm. or a little uh, creek bed out of it. Uh, and I was able to get that and saved quite mm -hmm. a bit of money on yeah. insurance. Yeah. Create a way to divert the water if it ever came. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did have a broken sprinkler one time, so it did come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to our next commercial break. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we're listening to a little earth, wind, and fire there, <laughs> so, which is the perfect setup for the question I have on the natural hazard disclosures. What are the six major zones that we need to know of? Yes, that was Ooh, that great. was good. I, I really liked that, Don. <laughs> that was good. So as I mentioned before, there's the flood zone and the fire zones, but there's also the potential flood zone. Uh, the wildland zone, which a wildland zone is actually um, an area that is owned by the state. So it's not technically a fire zone. A wild zone or a wildland zone would be around a property that the state owns and the state has to take care of it. So that's what a wildland zone is. Um, the earthquake zone and, of course, the seismic, seismic zone, which is landslides or uh, liquefaction. Um, so those are the six. Of course, around here, you know, it's mainly just the flood, the potential flood, and the fire. As you know, I mean, the, our fire situation has just been so huge, and that's why we have a, a new disclosure called the FHDS and uh, the decision tree by CAR, California Association of Realtors, came out with that. So that is also included in our NHD, um, just to give more information about the property and what the seller has done 
to either kind of defend their home from fire or harden their home so that their home stays safe from potentially catching on fire. And hardening the home is things like clearing brush for so many feet from the structure. Correct. And, and you know, making sure that you have a sealant on your wood decks and you have the metal mesh on your eaves, your gutters, um, and, you know, dual pane windows, no, no wood shake roofs, which most don't have anymore. So mm-hmm. those are things to harden your home. The, this, the area like you're discussing around the home, that would be more on the defensible space. So that would be removing trees that might be too close to the fireplace or the chimney um, or the decks or, or the brush, you know, removing those things and making sure that there's clearance around the home in case there ever is a fire so that the fire department can come in and defend your home. Going back to that wildland thing. Yes. Why does that need to be a disclosure that the state owns the property next to you? Yes, it's it's just one of those things that is included because you need to know if you're around a wildland area so that the the buyer knows that, that that's the state property. You know, that's not something for them that they have to take care of. So that's why it's included. Also, that wouldn't it also be that the state also has to, in case of a fire, mm-hmm. it's not local fire that's going to show up. It's got to be state fire that's probably going to mm-hmm. manage that area. But okay. if you ever have yes. an issue with trees or because I had a client who had a property up in the in the foothills and it was all maintained by the state. So you would have to contact them to come out and clear away trees and stuff on your property that. Mm-hmm you know, needed help with, they would maintain the roads. Yes, yes. Okay, well, this makes sense that you need to know who Mm -hmm. your neighbor is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Um, Now I want to go to um, some of the myths that we're hearing out there in the market. And Javier, what are some of the things you're hearing? Well, first and foremost, I think we're hearing that it's a buyer's market. Technically, it's still a seller's market, you know, just due to the prices and everything that's, you know, higher. They still do. The inventory is still kind of man. You know, we haven't seen a very high, high level yet of inventory. So I think that still tends to lead more towards a seller's market. Um, But we are definitely seeing the return to more of a normal market. A buyer's market is going to be where we have a glut of homes. And we've got four, six, nine months worth of inventory on the, you know, in the market. And the buyers are completely controlling what's going on with our inventory. So in the past 20 years that you've been a realtor, um, what's the highest months of inventory that you saw? Gosh, I think the most that I had ever seen was around 4.6. Yeah. Okay. Right around 4.6 months. And you bring out a good point is that we, society, tends to want to categorize things. It's either a buyer's market or a seller's market. Isn't there anything in between called normal? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Everybody kind of has a different take on what they think a normal market is. You can ask any broker in town and they'll give you an idea. And I think it all, it's kind of all around in the same circle. It's like, how many number of homes are on the market? You know, you know how many months of inventory we have. How many? You know, what's the absorption rate going? And you know, we we would probably all be really close to each other, 
So it'd be interesting to get your take on what you think a normal market is, Don. Let's throw a question back at you. Oh, man, what did I ever do to you to earn this? <laughs> you, you must not have liked one of the questions I asked you, because now you're coming back at me. But I'm glad you asked. There we go. I, I'm going to say normal is where you're fairly close to a one-to-one -one ratio of buyers to sellers. Hmm. Now, you go back a year ago where we had 10 offers for one home. That's certainly not normal. Uh, you go to, let's say, 2008, 2009, when there was a glut of homes, a lot of brand new homes that were 95% complete, that never got completed, that were available for mm -hmm. sale. Mm -hmm. So uh, maybe there were 10 homes for every one buyer. Mm -hmm. That's certainly not normal. Yeah. But a la the buyer's market. Yeah. Um, ooh. Here's a good one. Um, a normal market is when both the buyer and the seller ha have to actively participate in the negotiation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there has to be more of the mutual meeting of the minds during the, that during that time. One party isn't commanding the other, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's the seller demanding and commanding too much the price and releasing all of your contingencies and everything to where it's a more of a normal market where the buyers and sellers can negotiate more f freely and everybody comes to a really great mutual decision, you know, on a final price, final terms, final conditions, so. Yeah, and you go back a year ago, it, it wasn't fun for the realtor to give advice. Um, you know, there's 10 offers in on the property. Uh, your buyer says, well, what do I got to do to get this house? We love it. We really want it. And you know the answer is, well, remove all your contingencies. Mm. But So dangerous. Ah, thank you. It is so dangerous. That's a hard one for a realtor to tell a client to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in our dealings in real estate, we always hear the term, oh, we're selling this property as is. That's great. You can say you're going to sell it as is. You're not the seller is not going to contribute any monies to repairs or anything like that. But that also doesn't mean that the buyer has given up their right to inspect that home, right? Inspect it. Get a professional home inspector out there. Get with your realtor. That means you can still get a termite inspection, roof inspection. Get AC guys, plumbing guys, electrical guys. Get everybody out there so they can make their final decision and say. You know, it's got $500 worth of damage. I can live with that. Let's move forward. Does it have ten dollars or $15,000? let us try to negotiate with the seller still. But if they don't agree, we still have our right, our contingency to cancel this deal and get out safely. Mm -hmm. So per our contracts, buyers are buying the, the home as, as is, is, but they have an inspection right so they can find out what as is is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that. A as bunch of one-syllable words. <laughs> <laughs> Made it so easy on me. <laughs> All right. What are some of the myths, other myths that you're running into? Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of it is still a little bit more towards the buyer side. It's like, you know, now you can completely lowball properties or you can ask for everything under the sun when you get your home inspection report. Um, that, you know, the sellers are just going to give away all this money. 
you know, and so I think that's another big myth that's that's kind of happening now. I think that is definitely more towards like we, the buyer's market, right? They definitely have more command over things that are going along. So I think there's a lot of buyers out there that are having a little bit of a the pie in the sky mentality too soon. You know, it's like, can they still negotiate on price? Yes. Can they still negotiate on repairs? Yes. You know, and usually we, as realtors, we tell them, you know, just go for the health and safety issues, right? If there's electrical issues, plumbing issues, roofing issues, air conditioning issues, those are the types of situations we address with the seller during the negotiation period. It's not, I want a brand new stove. I need all the carpet replaced, you know? So when you get an inspection report coming back, you know, an inspector may note worn carpet. That doesn't automatically mean that the buyer says, oh, they got to replace all the carpet in this home for me. You know, so I think that's another little bit of a myth that's starting to appear right now. Okay, I want your thoughts on this one, Javier. So in the last few years, many of the home inspection reports have given advice. Let's say it's an older home with single pane windows. Well, in that report, it's going to say that they advise getting mm-hmm. dual pane windows because there's uh, temperature loss. Uh, through the windows and, and it's some really good verbiage that protects the home inspector mm-hmm. you know like worn carpet mm-hmm. I'll bet you the buyer saw that when they walked through <laughs> but, but um, it's scary now now that our market is getting more normal mm-hmm. uh, buyers don't overlook that mm-hmm. it's like oh wow I'm buying a home that doesn't have dual pane windows mm-hmm. what how do you deal with that when a buyer comes up with that comment? Well, I, I think the hard part is, is that you always have to, you always have to do what the client asks, right? Unless it's something illegal, obviously. Right. Mm. So if they say, I want to ask for dual pane windows, we, as a realtor, we will definitely write that up. We can advise them say it's, it's still fully functional, right? Mm-hmm. This may kill the deal, but yes, I can put that forward and see what the other party has to say. And you guys just have to make your informed decision based on their response. So, and that's, we're kind of, you know, ham, hamstrung a little bit on it, but you know, we always do what the client advises us to do. So it Uh, never hurts to ask too. Yeah. So all they can do is say no or meet us Uh, maybe halfway. Yeah. When you say it never hurts to ask, sometimes when somebody asks for too much, they just get a no. rather than a here this is what i'll do Mm -hmm. so with that thought we're going to our next commercial break so stay tuned to welcome home radio 940 kyno looking back i wouldn't have it any other way i'm proud of the house we built it's stronger than sticks stones and steel it's not a big place sitting up high well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host here in the studio. We have Les. Well, how did I come? <laughs> Lisa Swenning. It's not like I just met you last week either. Right. So I have known you a long time with Snap NHD and Javier Carrasco. Is that right? <laughs> Carrasco's of uh, Fusion. Fusion Real Estate. All right. I can't uh, blame you, Don. Every time I look at her, too, I get tongue-tied. So, uh, <laughs> You know, you're a smart man to say that to your wife. 
All right. So um, our lead-in music, our walk-up music, was I'm proud of the house we built. And the two of you are also uh, part of the house we built, the foundation of the realtor organization. Uh, you both have been in leadership positions with the Fresno Association of Realtors. Um, Lisa, mm -hmm. tell me what you do uh, that, that helps the cause. So I am the affiliate chair for the Fresno Association of Realtors, which um, I'll be honest with you, I never in a million years thought that I would do something like this. Um, it's a lot of work, isn't it? Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not so much a lot of work. It's just being in leadership. You know, I've never been one that thought that I would, you know, take that road, that avenue. So, um, but that being said, it is amazing. It's something that I've enjoyed, you know, so much. Uh, the affiliates are such a good group to work with. We we do different fundraisers. Um, one that we did just recently was called Kicks for Kids. Uh, we paired up with Big Brothers Big Sisters, and we um, got donations to buy a pair of shoes for over 100 kids. So that was something really uh, near and dear to my heart. I've worked in the school systems. I, I see the children in need. And with Big Brothers Big Sisters, they have a lot of children in need of shoes. Um, we were working very closely with Diane from Big Brothers and Big Sisters, and she has been amazing. And we, we are going to have an event when we do drop off the shoes, so that's going to be exciting for us all. Um, but that's just one example of something that we do for the community. And uh, it's just, it's a great, great thing to be involved in. Mm -hmm. what, what do you feel you've gotten out of it that helps you professionally from being in leadership? It definitely forces you, I mean, already in sales, I'm in front of faces and having to speak to different people. But um, so that aspect was, you know, not something I struggled with. Um, but, you know, being in a leadership role for the all the affiliates of this association and be and having to, you know, put things together. And I mean, I couldn't have done it with all of without all of them. I mean, we have some amazing affiliates that are so extremely helpful. Um, so just everything that I've gotten out of it is, you know, just being able to do the leadership type roles and not be afraid of it you know before it's definitely something that i would i wouldn't have done and for our non-realtor listeners what what is an affiliate and how diverse is that group yeah so the affiliates are anyone that's involved you know within the real estate community so lenders escrow officers um you know plumbing and windows solar i mean it's it's all across the board cleaning companies cleaning no, companies yeah. yes so it's it's a, it's basically any kind of companies that are somehow affiliated affiliated with the real estate community real estate related yes yes all right javier what have you been doing in leadership well, uh, gosh, I've held so many multiple roles in the last 15 years. I've served nonstop for the last 15 years. Currently, uh, I'm part of the MLS committee, the grievance committee, uh, strat planning committee. Oh, uh, gosh, what else? I'm a CAR director. So traveling to our state meetings to gather information. So what, 
once again for our non-realtor <laughs> listeners, what what does the grievance committee do? Oh gosh, uh, grievance committee. We meet whenever either a member of the public or another realtor has filed a grievance against a realtor. So we review um, based on only one side of the story, based on whoever the complainant is, we look and see if that um, grievance has merit and then we would push it on to have a, um, uh, it's not a full trial, but um, a hearing, a hearing, ethics hearing an or- ethics hearing. So a panel would be able to listen to both sides of the story and come to an agreement to see if there was something that actually that realtor was guilty of. So it's, it's the no-no, the no-no committee. You don't, we don't want to see you, your name uh, come through on uh, a grievance. <laughs> I was telling somebody yesterday how to avoid conflict. And uh, I learned this from a um, small claims judge who kind of scolded. Actually, he made us go out into the hallway and work it out ourselves. <laughs> and he said, you know, when we came back and said, okay, here's what we worked out. And it was easy to work it out. We just needed to communicate. Mediation. Yeah. And he said, you know, you have litigation, arbitration, mediation, but don't forget communication. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And that was the last time I ever had to go to small claims court. And, you know, as a landlord, I mean, issues come up a lot. But Mm -hmm. uh, two things I've learned, communicate and throw the calculator away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We only got a couple of minutes left. So I would like to ask you first, Javier, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? I think the message should be is that it is still a fantastic market right now, people. It's great for the sellers. It's great for the buyers. A lot of great negotiations going to happen. Uh, yes, the interest rates are going to continue to rise through the uh, through the end of the year into the beginning of next year. But buyers, don't be afraid to buy right now. Historically, real estate has what's always brought the market out of the recession. So keep that in mind. So still a great time to buy. Six, nine, 12 months from now, it might be a great time to refi. So don't be afraid. And All right. Sellers are going to be buyers. Right. They got to go somewhere, too. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Lisa, mm-hmm. what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's discussion? Well, as far as the NHD goes, like I said, I don't think that the general public really understands or knows what the NHD is. So I hoped I helped them in that way. And in that sense, then just making them more aware so if they are going to put their home on the market that they talk to their real estate agent about the NHD and possibly even just saying you know uh, you know requesting ordering it at the time of listing Um, even on the buyer side educating buyers you know when they are going to go and look at all these homes they don't want to fall in love with a home that they end up finding out they can't afford so go ahead and get that NHD and see if there's anything going on with it so that everybody is aware. All right, and, and generally they're under $100, so it's you're not talking a huge expense right. for a seller to help prepare the buyer to make that decision on their home. Absolutely, and and there's never a fee, only if and when it closes escrow, so That's there's no risk. There's no risk at ordering it at the time of listing. 
because if it goes to escrow, falls out, or never goes to escrow, there's never a fee until it closes escrow. All right. Well, I want to thank both of you for coming in today and sharing your knowledge and your experience with our listeners. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll be back again next Saturday from 9 to 10 on 940 KYNO. Thank you. Thank you.